0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 16. Uh, Patty Smith joins us this week. This is a really fun one because Patty's been in our world for a while. You'll remember John Smith, or Johnny as we call him, from episode four. He is a very close friend and business partner of Chris's. You heard his great story um, that was loaded with things. Uh, His journey, his story, Patty's his mom, and she played a critical role just like our mom did with Chris. She and my mom have a great relationship. They were um, connected actually back uh, at the time that Johnny was really struggling, and you'll hear a lot about that connection as we go through the episode. Um, But we love to have Patty on because she uh, also, as everyone does, has her own unique story about what she went through, what she's learned. Um, We really dive into Johnny as a kid, a loving, easy son, um, and then just kind of her and her husband's first take on how to approach addiction when they learned about. Johnny's Issues um, sending him to counseling, and, and kind of really just trying at it on their own uh, before they were able to get connected really with those who had been through it. Um, my mom, who had been involved, and a few other moms that were in the hockey world as they were connected, uh, they they kind of go through their expectations of treatment. There were a couple treatment centers that, you know, weren't as expected, which is is the way that it goes. You know, not every, not every treatment center, not every facility in, in any medicine is perfect. Um, and then just finally, finally, how Johnny started to get well. Codependency is involved in this. Uh, Johnny did have a girlfriend that was involved in his journey. The the trust in, in the facilities that I mentioned. Um, her own enablement, as well as her husband's. The manipulation by Johnny uh, of the times that he said, you know, I'm not normal, I'll never be normal. Uh, and then we just go into her advice for those loved ones. We have continued to tell you all that there is this great strength in the network of addiction, uh, both for addicts and alcoholics, as well as for the loved ones that are going through this. Patty does an incredible job of explaining the fact that, you know sometimes those of us that are loved ones are left behind, and it's not uh, on purpose; It just happens to be that when we talk about addiction and once we start learning about it th- those that are struggling have a place to go. There is a very defined you know track to treatment and getting help from professionals and There is also that network for loved ones, and we don't talk about that as much. So one of the huge things for us on the podcast is to continue to reiterate the resources, the network, the opportunity there is also for loved ones, because uh, as you've gone through these episodes and hopefully as you're learning from us talking through this, it's just as much about you as a loved one or a family member or whoever you are to someone that is struggling to get help for yourself to take care of yourself uh, and also look after your loved one in the right way. So, so many lessons. You guys are being wonderful on on this journey with us as we kind of try to uncover more stories and and hear from, from others. But as you listen in, you're gonna hear some beeps through this episode that is strictly out of respect for the folks that are listed and part of the story that have not been able to have their own voice recorded. So we just wanted to keep them out of the mix until we are able to have them live with us on the line. Patty, thank you so much for joining us. This episode is jam-packed. It's fun. We had a great time hanging with you, um, and you did an incredible job. So everyone sit back, listen. As always, um, enjoy the episode. listeners. This is going to be episode 16 of Faded. Um, a, a, I always say this, but a very special episode. We've been really digging in the past few weeks on our voice and message for family members, loved ones, those that are not necessarily the one that is addicted um, or dependent on alcohol and drugs um, to go get help. And part of that and part of the resources we've shared across all of our episodes Uh, has to do with finding people within the network of this wonderful world of recovery uh, that have the knowledge, that have been through it, that can relate. And that doesn't just go for the addict um, or the alcoholic, that also goes for family members. And so we will continue to urge all of you listening to not try and do it on your own. Um, And today we have a very, very fun special guest, Patty Smith, who is here with us to tell her story. It's a great case study of the way that a family member can reach out. Uh, And so today we've got Patty joining us. Patty is John Smith's mom. You guys will all remember John um, or Johnny as we call him from episode four. So he uh, recounted his story of his um, addiction, his Florida stories, law school, all the things you guys might remember from episode four. Um, and we wanted to bring Patty on and to give her account and to kind of give, give all you listeners some insight into uh, what it's like to be a family member um, to engage with this network. And along with Patty, we also have back for, um, I think as a veteran now, mom, we can call you, we've got Liz, Mama Berry back on the podcast. So Patty, hello. And mom, hello.
1: Hello. Hey, Patty. Hey, Patty. Hey, Hey, Jackie. Good to be back. (laughs) Thanks for having me.
0: So excited um, to have you guys. So Let's jump in. Uh, this is a very great episode, a mama's episode. And that, that makes me smile just because uh, both of you have been warriors through this, um, really learning a ton, doing a ton, being the backbone um, for so many people, for Chris and for Johnny and, and the others you've helped. So before we get into uh, some of the story, Patty, would love for you to give us just a quick background on you. Just who are you, where are you from, where are you today? Very fun, easy, lighthearted background um, so that the listeners have some context of who you are.
2: I'm just a mom <laughs> of Johnny, and I have a daughter, Amanda, Yay. and grew up in Philadelphia, um, moved to South Jersey, a little Texas, and home is North Carolina.
0: I love it. North Carolina is a great place. Um, and we know Johnny's it back is. and we're happy to have Johnny back as well. And, and tell us a little bit about, I mean, we've heard Johnny's story. So we have a lot of the context from his perspective um, about what he went through. But I would love to know a little bit about Johnny growing up. What was Johnny like? Um, and before you had any idea that um, there was something that he was struggling with, like tell us a little bit about, from your perspective, Johnny as a kid.
2: As a kid, from a toddler even up through high school and into college, never gave us any, any troubles. We didn't have to worry about him. He was just a solid, solid guy, seemed really happy. And people would always comment that he just, at a young age, had such a good head on his shoulders and he just was determined just to be successful in whatever he's going to do. He loved sports. Academically, he did fantastic. And I didn't see any of this coming because we never had to focus on Johnny going out late. He never did anything like that. He was just, for me, just a, a great son. And I was just lucky to have a great daughter as well. And I
0: just felt like I was just so blessed. I felt like everything was just
2: too good to be true. And sure enough, it was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so tell us when... When did you learn about Johnny's um, struggle and and kind of if you could paint, paint the picture of, you know, the moment you found out and, um, and and how you realized it.
2: The moment we found out was New Year's Eve. Um, Our family and some close friends, we rented a limousine to go out on the town. Johnny brought a college friend um, like to spend a few nights and he was joining us to go in the limo. He just seemed really drunk. And for me, Johnny's not a drinker. And I thought, well, he's he's not a drinker. So this, this alcohol is hitting him pretty hard. But everybody else was just okay. He was not okay. And my son-in-law was just at the time was also Johnny's roommate. And it was my daughter's boyfriend decided that he should take him home because he was just t- too messed up. Mm. And the next day, um, it was just like a tidal wave. I just um hit us and found out that Johnny was addicted to heroin you know and we thought oh wow okay this is just absolutely insane we don't know anything about this what are we going to do how do we find out how to treat this and I didn't know who to call I didn't know what to do I wanted to just learn as much as I can so that I can help him but It kind of seemed like he didn't really think it was a problem and, you know, it was just fine. And, um, he had a detox at home because I didn't know where to send them. Do you just take somebody to the emergency room when they're addicted Yeah. and you just find out about it? Um, so we, he detoxed at home and I just remember like sleeping on his floor because I was afraid of everything. I didn't know what to do yeah so slept on the floor for like three nights and three days, and then we just tried to figure out okay now it's time for him to go back to college and what do we do Ugh. how do we fix this
0: right <laughs> just a quick one um so had he just outwardly like had he had he just come out with the fact that he was addicted to heroin like how did how did that moment come to be
2: um my son in law told us that uh, all this time, he said I didn't want to say anything, but he's been using a lot of um, pain pills, mm. and he thought it was like recreationally. But he said he has a, a big problem; he just can't stop. And you guys don't know this, but it's it's really dangerous. And he's just been using all the time. Mm. And when we found out, we 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 didn't know what to do. We didn't know how serious it was, and it was just prescription oxies that he was using crushing up snorting and we thought well this this can be fixed he just has to stop doing it we just have to you know put our foot down and tell him how he can wreck his life by doing this yeah. and it was not that simple and looking back he didn't want to stop and he didn't know how to stop he didn't know what to do he was I guess like on this never go around and just keep going around and going around and couldn't get off Did't know we didn't know how to help them,
0: and did you guys have any experience at all with addiction, alcoholism, anything like that before this like do you have did you have anything to go off of?
2: No at the time, no, but we had family members I had in particular my mom's brother, who was an alcoholic, but you know we never saw it for what it is now, like for what I've learned, I feel sad that we never even acknowledged. That he was an alcoholic. He was functioning up to a certain point. He worked all the time and he was a heavy drinker. But nothing with um, drugs, like being addicted, where you are more than dependent on it. It's your life. And the, just thinking about how Johnny was a slave to finding a way to get high and struggling with that. I couldn't appreciate it like I do now because it's really sad. But at the time I was just so angry. I'm like, stop doing this. Right. Yeah, sleeping outside of his bedroom door, like on the floor, um, and then trying to get him to go to counseling. And he was like, you guys just need to leave me alone. I'm an adult now. And and he just didn't really want the help and the help that we were taking him, like to, to see a counselor, probably looking back was probably you know, we thought it was going to be really helpful, but it it wasn't at all. It just made matters worse. And can it I can I done. add
1: something to that Patty? Um, sure. when I talk to a lot of families out there, interestingly enough, that's the first place they go is to a psychiatrist or a psychologist or some somebody to help, which I think is kind of an interesting thing because it's really a chemical. Dependency and yes, it it's often goes with something that that um, a psychologist or psychiatrist could help you with. But it's really an interesting thing that that's where people go first because they don't understand it.
0: I also think that it's it it seems fitting to me if you really like think about it from the time in the li- in their lives that both Chris and Johnny were in, like you're, you're adolescent, you're, you're kind of like just coming into your own. And so naturally I could see, and I think, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but it, I could see as a parent that you would assume that it has to do with some sort of psychological issue or they yep. you know, they aren't coping or they're depressed or they're not sure what to do so naturally i could see that like a counselor makes sense because it's like let's go fix this and when you don't have any knowledge of you know chemical dependency uh i i i mean that seems reasonable to me
1: yes i think i just think it's really interesting that that's where people go first
0: yeah yeah it makes sense it just it
2: didn't work and for us i think it just made m- my husband and i just more frustrated with the situation and then I think the counselor just putting certain things into John's head just as far as you know telling him that with his independence and Johnny just took everything I think the wrong way um, it just it just divided the family uh, my husband and I were completely frustrated with the situation with each other our whole family just it that that was just the boiling point when we just hit the surface of addiction, it was just, you know, and we were thinking, well, we could fix this in a couple months. And yeah. and it just, it didn't happen. And then of course, you know, the next step was um, just trying to figure out the next step. And what we thought would be, you know, we can take him to a treatment center and they're going to fix him. Yep. And we were so excited when after just struggling with, um, you know, Johnny's still trying to play the game of life. He's going to law school and me on the road, seeing his car past me because he's going to his drug dealer. And I'm like, where is he going? Mm. And it just, it just blew my mind. Cause we're like, we're trying to help you. We're trying to help you. And he just didn't want the help. When he finally said, I will go to treatment that day. It was just, it was like this big relief, of course. And it was just trying to us for us to find him a bed somewhere. Right. Which I thought was going to be real easy. You know, you take them to a treatment center, but it wasn't so easy. And we took them out of state to Florida, which was, we thought was great, but it wasn't so great.
0: Yeah. What made you choose Florida? I'm just curious. Well, the first place, I, I, I thought if I could just get him away from all
2: these drug addicts, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you know,
3: just get him away from
2: the problem and, you know, and he, he'll, he'll, he'll do so much better. Right. but taking him and it was so sad, you know, And he was just trying to pack and, and, and just that whole day. And I'm thinking of, oh, this is going to be great. They're going to fix them. And, you know, we get into the, he's like, I just have to, you know, drop this book off or something to someone. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. Make sure you take that law school book back. You know, you have to, you know, exchange that book before you go off to rehab. But, you know, later than I think, Then he, high as a kite and to get to that morning us was driving to Florida why I chose Florida I have no idea I just thought let's just get him away from the addicts and you know he'll he'll, he'll do better because he can't nobody can get to him give him the drugs that's what I was thinking yeah and I didn't think that he was as resourceful as he is right and I mean then learning and looking back but at the time I you know, taking him. The first stop we had to make was at the Bojangles around the corner from the house because he wanted to get something to eat, which he really didn't eat. He just probably wanted to go in and get high. And my husband and I are sitting there thinking, oh, he's going to run off. Oh, so I'm looking out the window and he is like rolling in the mulch of the Bojangles and all the people at the front of the Bojangles are looking at him like, what is this guy doing? He was so hot he couldn't get up. He couldn't even walk like five feet to the car where we were parked. And it gets in my brand new car and it's full of mulch and I'm like, That's all right, just <laughs> get in. Just get in, let's get on the road and let's make this drive and and you know, driving him to to uh to Florida at the time was um, you know, I slept with my handbag right next to me and mm-hmm. my husband slap slept in a chair at the door so he didn't so Johnny wouldn't like make a run for it because we <sighs> finally convinced him to get a treatment. Um but the next day we just had like a couple hours to drive and drop them off. And then I just completely lost it. Cause I thought, this is it. This is do or die right here. And, you know, we said our goodbyes and before we could even leave, we found out that he had this note in his bag and the counselors were trying to, I guess, figure out if he was, you know, going to take his own life or what was he going to do? He was going to hurt himself. Yeah. Um, so we drove, we were going to stop, but we decided we just drove all the way home. We just couldn't wait. But, and then we didn't talk, you know, for a couple of days, like they do it, you know, when they're in treatment. But, oh, I was positive. This was going to be great in a couple of months. We go to the family meeting and uh, they're going to tell me how great my son's. is. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, that was a shocker when he comes walking up smoking a cigarette. So now he has another addiction. He picked up smoking cigarettes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that was new? That was new as of
2: that point? That was brand new. <sighs> that was new. But, you know, we thought, you know, we can get through this. And, you know, we were just, yeah, let's just keep pushing forward. And yeah, that was just the first. Though. I thought he was going to be fixed. Yeah, I thought, this is it. They're going to treat him. They're going to fix him. Everything's going to be great.
0: Isn't that funny how, like, that? that's what I, I kind of talked about this a couple episodes ago, but it's like, I, I don't think I ever... I, if I think back on the first time that Chris went to rehab, it was the same thing. I was like, "Oh, he's gonna just go through this, and he's gonna be good, and and he'll come home, and things gonna go back to normal." It's just, it's, it's crazy when you don't know anything about it, like that. You d- you really don't realize how deep seated it is, and um, I I can imagine that you know, clutching your handbag and sleeping at the door. I'm sure you weren't getting any sleep and were feeling all kinds of emotions too. Yeah,
2: yeah, a lot of emotions, but it was just always you know, concern and love and hope. Oh, I had so much hope. I had faith in these people that were going to help them. And I didn't realize it's not like going to a doctor, you know, for your, for health reasons. I mean, like, you know, they're going to give you some medicine, they're going to fix you. But if you don't want the treatment and you don't want the help or you don't know how to accept the help, well, things aren't going to change. That's what happened. Yeah. You know, after that, that one family meeting, we we thought, well, this isn't going as planned. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just some things that, you know, are. And of course, now he has a habit of smoking. We're gonna have to send the money for cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: uh. There's
2: there's another shushing. <laughs> yeah. But then it was. Then we get a phone call that he left the treatment center that he was in. He worked himself up to like. A, three quarter way house or he didn't quite get to the halfway house or one of those houses. and He, <laughs> he, uh, he left in the middle of the night. And of course it was because the place just wasn't good. And you know, all the reasons and excuses he has, but and we thought, Oh wow, that's crazy. That place seems so good, but obviously it wasn't for him.
0: Yeah, for sure. Did you, I, I'm curious to know, like the the evening of you know New Year's Eve and you finding out about his his addiction and and that he was struggling with something, just kind of plain and simple. Did you believe that he truly had a problem from the start there, or was or did it take you you know seeing him um, you know at the bojangles on the way down or um, when you realized that it wasn't going as planned in treatment? Like what what do you have a moment that you can realize that you thought oh this really is a a, a real thing? Uh, I don't think. I was there yet I don't think
2: that I I thought that it was an issue and a problem but not a huge problem Mm. I thought it you know he could be fixed if he just went to treatment yeah and somebody is going to you know give him these powerful words that are just going to change him and make him stop and then him going through detox well of course he's not going to you know want to go back to that life Mm. again he's not going to want to do the same things that Put him in that position. Even, you know, when before Johnny went to treatment and he was in law school, I didn't think he would throw that away. And I thought he'd go back to that, you know, after he came back from the the treatment. I thought, you know, this is going to be three months and then he'll, you know, miss a semester. Even if he took the year off, he could go back to that life. Right. But I still didn't think that it was, it wasn't like that aha moment or that life-changing thing that just, you know, where you just say all of a sudden, wow, this is big. And it just, it didn't happen then. There were just too many other things that we probably had to go through to get to that, but we, we were hopeful. But, you know, my husband thought differently because he was more of a, the person, well, if he can't fix them there, then they just can't fix them. He's just going to have to figure this out on his own. Hmm. And my whole family didn't understand. And so it tore me away from my family. And of course it tore me away from my friends because, you know, when our kids are doing great, moms just want to tell everybody how great the kids are doing. But then when they're not doing so good, well, it's like, wow, what did we do wrong? I, what did I do wrong hmm. that he's a drug addict? Right. And he doesn't want to be fixed.
0: <laughs> right. It's so like it's so powerful to hear you say that, and I I do think it's really important for everyone listening to. And the reason I asked about if you really believed in it at you know at the beginning or or within that first kind of window period of time uh, is that you, when you don't know much about this, uh, it's hard to to wrap your head around it. And I think it, it it goes along exactly with your story. So as the the Florida kind of. Chapter is is unfolding. What were you doing, you know, back home, or as you were learning, um, or were you doing anything um, once he was, you know, in the treatment center and then was leaving?
2: I think when he left the treatment center the first time, the first time we took him to Florida, he left, and we, with that phone call, I just believed that something must be wrong with the treatment center. If my son ever causes Mm-mm. any problems something must be wrong because he's not going to stay and he wants to get help.
3: Mm.
2: So why isn't this working out? (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you know, I didn't hear from Johnny for a week. And that when the bottom just fell open and I was, I started thinking because there's no way that he would not communicate with me because he was such a kind, considerate person that he wouldn't want me to worry. Yeah. So him not calling me and not being in touch with me, it it got pretty bad. But I did forget to mention that, of course, you know, at this time I'm um, enabling John and I took his car to him in Florida. Um, <laughs> That's right. So, so oh. that he'd have some you know transportation because he was um he was riding a bike to work and. He was working in a mall, and piercing ears. Get, oh yeah. yes,
0: piercing he ears. Us that
2: piercing pagoda, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that helped him to probably start maybe using needles. I don't know. He we couldn't even take them to get a needle because he would freak out in the doctor's office. Even you know in high school, he have to sit on his hands because he actually hit the doctor one time. From the doctor, it just was a reaction when he got the shot. He just. He just didn't like needles, but he was kind of riding his bike and I thought, oh, he can't ride his bike. So, you know, I gave him his car. So now it was real, super easy for him, you know, to leave that treatment center that time, the first time he left the treatment center because he had a car. So he's, you know, riding around in his car in Florida. So, and I'm thinking, my where is he sleeping? Where, what is he doing? And worrying and not hearing from him. And then when he did hear, um, when he did call me, it was basically the pattern was he would call me when he needed to get into a treatment center. And that went on for a long time, you know, back and forth. But, um, and of course I would always answer my phone and I was just always, whatever you want, whatever you want. And then it just wasn't working and time was just going by and things are really, really getting bad for him and, and for us at home. And then I was just, out at a grocery store, and I would do this so many times. I would, you know, I'm going to get out of the house today and I'm going to do something. So I had my grocery cart and I walked into the store and I'm looking around and I'm like, what am I even here for? Hmm. And the empty cart, and I turn around to like leave the store and I bump into right. her son, Liz's son, and my son all played hockey together. Right. And, but I wasn't, we weren't in the same circle. We were as far as hockey, but we didn't hang out and we didn't, you know, really socialize. I didn't at that time. And she's like, hey, how are you doing? And we start talking and she's like, I, you know, I heard about John. And I was like, yeah, she's like, we need to get together. And I have to get you together with Liz. This is, this is a problem we've been through. And then poor Liz and poor because I was like a baby. Calling them for everything. And of course, I wanted to get their help. I would have never asked. I wouldn't even think to ask, but I also didn't tell anyone. I just stopped communicating with friends and some family and just kind of fell off the face of the earth for a while. And, you know, people just thought that maybe I was going through marital problems. I don't know. That's just a couple things that people said to me when we look yeah. back at the situation. I just, couldn't bring myself to tell anyone that oh yeah by the way yeah, my son's a heroin addict in treatment and I failed as a mom I thought I was doing everything great you know life was so good and what you know what did I do wrong and then they told me I didn't do anything wrong right. <laughs> and that was kind of yeah that was that, that was a big relief but it wasn't like the end for me because I just didn't see the future.
1: When you and I first started meeting, we met, I remember we met outside at a little had a little lunch downtown and you know, I kind of joked with Patty earlier that it, it took me a while to even see her without her sunglasses on because she was all, always she was always crying and always so nervous and mm-hmm. you know, she had such great faith and she was always going to church every day and she she kept just wanting her son to be better and we kept assuring her it's going to happen. But in fact it did, but it was probably a two year journey from that point when we first met. Right, Patty?
2: Yeah. Easily two years. Yes. Yeah. I just sat at home, prayed and prayed to get me through the days that would lead up to me meeting Kathy and Liz. And so I would just wait, like sit and wait for it to get in the car and just go because I needed to hear words. Like the words that would come out of Melissa's mouth was like, I mean, they could be telling me, you know, you just had, you just won this multi million dollar lottery and they were telling me these fantastic things. And I just, everything that they said, I held on to and I wanted to put it to work right away. Like the next time Johnny calls, you tell him this or, you know, if, you, you, the words that you gave me, I just, I hung on to them. I, I needed yes. them. I couldn't, I couldn't get by, and I had no one else to talk to, because they wouldn't understand. Nobody could understand. You know, we, we didn't put out a family newsletter, you know, Christmas, because that wouldn't sound so good in hmm. the family newsletter that, that, you know, Johnny's not in law school anymore. He's out living on the beach in Florida yeah. in a car, <laughs> but, um. Those, those things, like, kind of um, didn't happen with with friends staying connected. And it was very, very lonely. And, and with, you know, people, for me, I, I wasn't working, so I had all day and night to think of things and, you know, always the bad thoughts going to my head and, you know, going to church, even sometimes in my loungewear, sitting right in the front row, like, just the doors would just be open in church and I would just go in and pray Hmm. and I would sit and I would come home and then I would turn around and get back in the car and go back to church. I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. You know, hanging on to every moment just to wait for Johnny to call me or something and then be able to put to use those great words that, you know, or Liz would, you know, give me to, to run by Johnny and see what his response would be. And, and they helped. It it helped. It started helping me before it helped Johnny.
3: Yeah. It
2: empowered me to be stronger, and so I became stronger. And kind of knew how to talk to an addict because, like Johnny was gone, I was just dealing with this addict now. I don't know where my son mm-hmm. was, but he wasn't mm-hmm. present. Mm. And so their words just really made me stronger. And once I was learning how to deal with it. I was able to, I think, kind of steer Johnny in a different direction where love you, but I'm not enabling you.
0: Yeah, That was powerful. That was really powerful. I love, I love this because that's what we keep also trying to, to explain to people is that it's just as much about you getting um, in tune and right with yourself and educating yourself and taking care of yourself as it is focusing on the addict or alcoholic. And the time you're spending to understand and go about this the right way is so, so uber impo- important. And um, I'm so glad to hear you say that. And mom, from your perspective, I would love to know just from the moment you first talked to Patty and then kind of as you saw things co- come, kind of progress from there. Um, I, I remember you telling me too, um, with the very little I knew um, about this story, I remember you telling me, how strong she was and how impressed you were. Cause uh, I, I don't, that I don't think that's a common thing to just have people say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go and I'm going to continue from here.
1: <laughs> she dove right in. I, I would have to say she was my best student. <laughs> uh, we became, we became, we became fast friends and, and we feel like we're sisters now through this. You know, we start when we meet one another, which is not very often anymore because of our distance, unfortunately, but. You know, we would get in the car and go somewhere and we'd say, hey, how's your attic? Mine's great. You know, like a little joking. And but we we always came around to talking about no matter what else was going on in the world. This was the three of us. This was this was our mission. This was these were our children, our families. And we were all sisters in in this um in this craziness and we all had an understanding of what we all had gone through in such great pain but yet again joy because we all have come out on the other end but there was a lot there was a lot to it a lot of conversations i mean late nights early mornings, um tears uh phone calls just a lot
2: i remember a couple times johnny Johnny calling me, and then I would be like, You know what? I don't have an answer for you right now with this, but call me back tomorrow. And then I'd call Liz
3: and say, Liz, what should I do? (laughs) And then I would be able to
2: respond to Johnny because it was really hard when he was asking for things. Because, and the most powerful thing for me was one is I'm not dealing with Johnny anymore, I'm dealing with this addict, but the other one is you can love them and without enabling them, because, you know, they always want something from you, you know, they're always, you know, manipulating, and so I wasn't really strong at that point to say, like, no, and, but there were just some things that he would ask, and I would always have to run it by by (laughs) just so that I could be, I just didn't want to mess up. This was, like, the biggest challenge of my life, and I was going to fight to the end to get Johnny back there was just absolutely there was there was no way the devil was going to win and that's what I just in my mind I kept saying he's not taking my son he's not you know he's got a hold of him and I'm not letting him take him I'm just going to you know fight but I wouldn't have been able to do it without help and it's hard to find help out there with people that have the experience. Well, we we also talked quite a bit. We, we still talk
1: about how God brought us all together. I mean, you know, we always say we, we don't know who else is going through this, but take three moms in a simple uh, hockey rink that used to walk by each other three or four times a week. Did we ever know that we would end up being in the same situation? years later when our kids weren't even around one another you know and and so god does god absolutely plays a big role in in putting people together and you just have to be open to it and patty was absolutely open to it and and the miracles that have happened and the oddities that have happened between she and i and with her kids uh six degrees of separation have been insane yeah. Ever since that first day we met together, correct?
2: Absolutely. It's just, it's, it's amazing. It's God's work is what it is. It It's truly, if you, I think in my opinion, if you just really work hard, get the help that you need personally, anybody that loves an addict needs help. They need help just as much as the addict does. But, we don't really see it or know it or think of it. I mean, they say that thing about the airplane, you know, put the oxygen on your face and then, you know, that your child. But it's its true. It's just mm-hmm. like I couldn't be prepared for this, what was, what was going to happen. Because even with Johnny going to treatment just one time, I thought it was going to be a fix. But I didn't think that I would have to go through what I went through and learn for myself as well as what Johnny had to go through and his journey of course is completely different, but it's really hard to to sit back and, and watch an at watch your loved one be taken over by addiction
3: Hmm. because
2: you know, they, they use willingly, but they didn't want to become an addict. Right. Right. And I think most people would say they don't see that because they just don't know. And what is that saying? If you, Haven't experienced it. It's just hearsay. You don't know what, and we don't even know what anybody else is going through. I didn't know the people I know now have gone through the same thing I'm going through or the same thing I went through. And then just the people, meeting people, just the people that I met in the beginning stages of Johnny's addiction, I believe were put there for a reason that led me to the next. Treatment facility, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, there were too many to count.
0: Yeah, it's your journey. <laughs> yeah, and and Johnny took us through a good number of stories across his journey. But give us a quick so after Florida and kind of as you started to feel this empowerment on your own, like how did things change from there, and how, what were kind of like the signs that were pointing toward him, you know, getting to a better path? I guess it
2: was just it was his entire journey. Like there wasn't any think really major. It was all the small pieces that made up that whole completed puzzle. Like his journey that he went through in Florida, it, it didn't end with him just leaving the one treatment facility. And the number of times he would call me to get the insurance information so he could go into another treatment center. You know, people said, you know, you can, how do you tell when an addict's lying, their mouth is moving. But there's some truth to some of the things that addicts do say. Um, and for for Johnny, he was warning me about the treatment centers he got involved in when he was in, in Florida. And thankfully, the one person that ran multiple houses there is now serving time in prison for human trafficking, for uh-huh. fraud, for uh, insurance fraud. There's just a number of counts, but you know, there's a lot of people out there that take advantage of people that are suffering from addiction,
3: yeah. like the
2: addicts themselves. And, and it's really sad. So he, he had some things to go through and maybe just to see how that things are corrupt and he's not going to get the help he needs if he doesn't straighten his life out and change his life. You know, some things did open his eyes, but, you know, he just couldn't get out of the life of addiction. And so from, from Florida, I, I had a phone call from, from Johnny, and um, I said, I need to come and get you, you need to get out of Florida, and he was back and forth for a couple of days, and I had already booked my airline ticket, and rented a car, and picked him up and his girlfriend with their little black trash bags filled with their, you know, their life possessions in this bag, and fighting with the house, the um, house owner, um, who was, around the treatment centers and the halfway houses to to let them get into my car and we wanted to get out of Florida. Um, So that was, that really empowered me. Can I interject
1: something here? This was an unusual story, um, which was one of the difficulties in trying to get Johnny clean was there, you know, he he had a girlfriend that was not, that was also addicted. and, And that was kind of a different thing when you've got two people depending upon one another and and they were playing off each other it's it it was making it even more difficult to just grab johnny and go but patty was instrumental in, you know a huge fear of flying to a point of such difficulty it being on a plane to going down there renting a car taking on this man that is now in prison and and somewhat becoming instrumental in, in beginning the, the beginning of that happening to help all these other people that were in this halfway house with windows nailed shut. You know, for anybody out there listening, if there's a halfway house that will take women and men, it is a huge red flag. It's a huge no-no. So Patty and I talked about that. But Patty, continue with your story about what you experienced because it's not something most moms and dads get to experience. It's not nice, but what you went through for that next 24, 48 hours.
2: Well, I would think most people know if somebody is an addict, they need drugs to survive. And for me to get Johnny and on a plane, we had to go and buy drugs so, I had to go to the bank and get some cash, and I didn't alert my bank, so I couldn't get cash out. And I had to call my husband, and we finally got the money, got the drugs, uh, found a hotel where the three, three of us can wait until our flights in the morning, which didn't really happen because didn't have our driver's license. One of the treatment centers from well, just probably from the beginning of Florida, several hours down, we had to go down into Miami to a treatment center to pick up her driver's license, which um, just that whole journey was just a nightmare and just seeing different people that work in these facilities that you thought your children were in good hands. And if your addict was telling you, oh, this place is horrible and everything like that, some of it's true because... I saw it with my own eyes and these people are not as caring as loving. And of course, this is just my experience in a few places in Florida, but, um, you know, we, we, um, we had a, finally, when we got for driver's license, we were able to get her a flight, which would be around the same time. So we actually had to stay another, an extra day. So we had to go to Walmart and we had to get some toiletries and some clothes because those trash bags had to go to the trash with with the way they were living mm. um so we had to stay another night and I remember going to dinner and you would just think that they were just living a normal life and because they were out to dinner and they were high and I'm just sitting there holding my handbag and praying that we can just get to the airport and you know just start another journey with another treatment center but um you know to experience how quick we got the drugs in our pocket and we're driving away from the drug dealer to the first McDonald's we see where could go in and shoot up. And then Johnny was like, I "Want to make sure you, you know, you're in and out so I can go in. And I was like, just do it in the car. I don't really care. It doesn't matter. And, you know, I'm sure it was really horrible for my son to shoot up in front of his mom as, as bad as it was for me. Hmm. you know, to to witness it, it was just all around a bad situation, but, you know, he had to do what he had to do, and so did I, and we got through it, and, you know, we can giggle about some things now that I wouldn't have been able to do years ago, but, you know, now I can, looking back, but it it was, it's pretty sad to see somebody that is just so deep into addiction that they are going to shoot up in front of a man, Hmm. but, um, so, you know, after, uh, after they shot up and we went back to the hotel to stay and I just, if I went to the bathroom, I took a shower and had my handbag with me and my suitcase because I was afraid maybe they would rob me and just be gone and leave because they were high. I didn't know. Yeah. I, I really didn't know. But then I was just back and forth with the man who ran the treatment center and the halfway house because, um, He had a cell phone. He wouldn't give it back to her. And he promised he would meet me at his treatment center, the place where Johnny said, yeah, this is where we spend most of our day. And they would drive us around in a van for the day because the treatment center was, um, was so small. And they would, he would go and get McDonald's cheese, McDonald's cheeseburger, that house manager or whatever treatment center manager. And they would sit in the parking lot outside and eat a cheeseburger And that was their lunch break, and all the money that, besides myself and my insurance, was paying. This was where he was staying, and the way that he was living, it was, it was horrible. But we didn't get the phone back. I took a lot of pictures of the, um, (laughs) the treatment center, and they were about to call the cops on me, but I wanted to call the cops on them, Hmm. and it just, it wasn't a nice scene, and we, we never we never got any of their belongings back that they had supposedly held for them in the safe. So I just wanted to get to the airport and put on a flight and she never flew before in her life. So she was a mess. And before we dropped off the rental car, we had to uh, go shoot up again. And so that was, I just didn't know where to go and what to do. And they were just like running in circles, trying to get high before they, to get on a plane and go to the next treatment center but um went home and I took Johnny to uh to Texas um to a treatment center and the flight was pretty tough and then just a lot of emotions from you know the past couple of days and then um just me leaving him again in another state in another treatment center but he was he was ready this time
0: How did you, why do you say that? What, was it just your intuition or was it a change of of mood or attitude or what made you feel like he was ready this time? I think he was worn out. I think he was just
2: Mm -hmm. tired of it. And I remember like Liz saying stuff like that to me. Like when they get tired of that life is when they're, you know, going to want to change. And Johnny just, he was an, an empty shell like he, looking in his eyes, he was just gone.
3: Mm.
2: He was really gone. And the one thing, if I can just go back to Florida just for one second, um, the the worst probably day of my life was when Johnny was so, so deep into his addiction. And um, John and I wanted to get our car back from him because he, he was living in it. Um, we pulled up to a mm. Walgreens our meetings were always in a Walgreens anyway, parking lot. And, um, I said, Johnny, please let me take you somewhere. And he's like, mom, you don't understand this. He's like, just please, you and dad, just please get in your car and drive away and just forget about me. I will never, ever have a life again. I will never be normal. I'm not normal. And I just like fell on my knees and just cried. And then John and I had to figure out who was going to get in that disgusting car and just drive it home because they were living in it It was horrible. So John got in that car and I got in our other vehicle that we drove down in and just drove and we didn't stop to eat. We didn't stop at a hotel and it's absolutely insane. But John and I, I'm following right behind him and we're heading back to North Carolina from Florida. And someone literally stopped in the far left lane and the traffic in the right lane is moving pretty quick. John didn't have time to stop and he slammed his brakes and just missed the car. And I slammed my brakes so hard that my car like almost spun completely around. And for like maybe five seconds, there was nobody else around. It was like all those cars passed us and we were both fine. I, we We probably could have been killed, we would have been oh. dead on that on that i ninety five driving home,
0: oh my God,
2: um, and we didn't even talk the rest of the way home, like on the phone to each other. We just got in the house, took showers, and I think I slept on the sofa, and John slept in the chair, and we just didn't talk about it or anything for a couple of days, but he oh was so far gone and lost, he just didn't know where to go from there, yeah. But oh but I'm dropping him off in in Texas at La Hacienda and he he seemed like he was just not just tired, but just beaten down. And I just had a different feeling about it. Um and we were arriving later than what we had planned to um oh yeah schedule our, <laughs> our our arriving time. Um the doctor, nobody was there to take him and admit him into the treatment center. So we couldn't, I said, what do you mean? I, I have to, he has to come in. He's very, very sick. And they're like, I'm sorry, but we don't have a doctor that would be here to admit him. I said, why can't I just bring him? And they said, it doesn't work like that. So I had to go to a hotel with Johnny. And I mean, I didn't even have like, I had nausea pills and I had a prescription prescription. Um, anxiety pill from the doctor I think he gave me 3 because I have a fear of flying I think I took 1 I gave him 2 of those and then just whatever ibuprofen or something I had because he was detoxing and he was just he didn't have any more drugs and
3: yeah. we didn't know
2: where we were or where to get them from but you know the next morning first thing we drove to the treatment center and and it was just I had different feelings like this was going to be better than Florida.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And And Texas, Texas came to be, was that through mom and Chris? And is that, is that how that came to be the next step?
2: That and another story was about Dr. Phil. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He recommended La Hacienda, but your mom recommended La Hacienda. Yeah. And, um, so that
1: that goes that goes back to when and he were living on the beach without a car and we were sitting at our table. Well, we we wrote it. We can we decided to write a letter to um, Dr. Phil and explain because we had never had experience with um, a girlfriend and boyfriend being being going through this together. And so it was a Sunday afternoon and uh, late afternoon, and and uh, I wrote a letter on. Um, trying to explain to Dr. Phil about this situation and because I had been through so many episodes of addiction helped me so understand quickly, more quickly um, about addiction with Dr. Phil. And so I, I concocted it and uh, read it back to uh, Patty uh, over the phone. And within 45 minutes that Sunday night that a producer um, calling us and saying, you know, we like the story. We come on board, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, it didn't happen because we couldn't get everybody. (laughs) But the next day, I remember sitting uh, at our kitchen table, Patty, and um, we were talking about this, and Johnny called. Johnny always seemed to call when you and I were together. Mm
3: -hmm. And we would just
1: kind of shake our heads and Mm -hmm. smile, like, you know. But Johnny would have nothing
2: of that. But yeah, I remember you, you saying, well, you'll stay in a nice hotel, you'll fly to New York, <laughs> and we were trying to say all these things. But, you know, Johnny's like, that is so ridiculous. I would never do that. But we thought, wow, who's going to get professional help? But the next yep. nice thing to Dr. Phil is his recommendation and yours for La Hacienda. So all that did really work out for us because yeah. it just made yep. us more determined. Yep to get them to La Hacienda.
0: So then from Laha
2: I remember like, I just wanted Johnny to call Chris. I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> Chris can help you. You have to call Chris. And he said, mom, I haven't talked to you in four days and I'm going to hang up because the next time you say Chris's <laughs> name, I'm not going to call <laughs> you again. And it was just like, it was, it was absolutely insane. I'm like, well, he can help you. Well then click the phone, you know, he would hang up on me, <sighs> but um, so many other stories. This has leading me to like my conversations with Chris and when Johnny was in La Hacienda, Johnny's counselor was actually Chris's counselor. Hmm. Years like later, but so many things are coming to my head, but La Hacienda did really help Johnny accept like right at the very end he was um he was supposed to get his, oh I forgot this he came home for christmas that was yeah but and I thought that they were doing great and they missed their flight i called you crying and you were like no they probably just did don't think the worst because when they get there if you accuse them you're going to have a horrible time <laughs> and but that was that was that was christmas they went tried to put on a happy face and hid Rubbing alcohol, Listerine, and all the alcohol.
3: Hmm. Um,
2: and he, they stayed here for like three nights and four days over Christmas. But Johnny went back um, to treatment. And I said, well, when you get your one-year chip, which is, um, was at that time was in January, I said, I'll come and see you get your chip. So I went out there to see him. Um, and my mom was with me. We pulled up to meet him in the parking lot at the hotel I was going to stay at. And Johnny walked up and just started crying. And I knew, hmm. and he was like, I just need help. He's like, I'm, I'm bad. I used again, he says, but I want to get into treatment center. Will you help me? I said, of course, let me call Liz. <laughs> Let's <laughs> check ourselves into the hotel room and let me get Liz on the phone. I'll get Liz on the phone. And she's like, okay this, this, and she's telling me some things to do. And she says, I'm going to call this guy, Christian who lives in Texas and um, is a good friend of Chris's. So like, I don't know, three minutes went by and that's how fast Christian called. Mm. I gave Johnny the phone and they talked and they talked. And then within maybe 25 minutes, I, Johnny said, mom, I'm going to go to treatment. He said, but first I'm going to go sell my TV. And I'm going to do drugs. I said, "Okay, well, just call me when you're done doing the drugs, so I know that you're still alive." Hmm. So this is how I progress. <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> sure." I mean, I can't talk him out of selling his TV. No. And I'm not going to argue with him. I I know the drill by now. I know what's going to happen. He was going to go sell the TV, drive, get the drugs, and and he did. He called me. He said, "Mom, I'm okay. I will see you in the morning. Don't worry." Hmm. And I believed them, yeah. I really did. I believed them for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, that morning, um I took to one treatment center, dropped her off, and I took Johnny to another treatment center. And by now, I'm I'm pretty good at you know getting on the plane and just crying and sitting on the,
0: <laughs> the flight
2: attendants just ignore you when you're bawling your eyes out, can't uh. speak. Um. And but you know, I I felt different. I felt like things were going to change. And then, um, actually they did because I spoke with Chris and Johnny spoke with Chris too. Mm -hmm. Johnny reached out and spoke with Chris and I just felt like things were just going to be different and better.
3: Yeah.
2: But Johnny said he didn't need to go into a halfway house and, and I believed him. And I said, you know, let me talk to Liz because this is my idea remember this list johnny didn't need to go yes. to halfway house i wanted to bring him back yes. home and what's going to be is going to be because i am not going to get on a plane and cry my eyes out with my heart in my hand if my son's dead in texas because that's what i thought the next thing would be um so i said to johnny sure put your counselor on the phone and spoke with his counselor and the counselor said you know this is everything that we are against yeah. and i said well what he's done the the program. Uh, I'll have him come home, and he said, "And the girlfriend too." And I said, "Yeah." And I heard the phone go click. And I thought, "Oh, I just got disconnected from his counselor. Let me call back." Yep. And the counselor said, "No, I, I hung up on you." He said, "Because we're going to let Johnny leave tomorrow, and um, he can, you know, go back home. He doesn't need the treatment program anymore, so he'll go home with you." I said, "Okay." So Johnny left, and he somehow they through uh we had all these plans john and i for um valentine's weekend we were going up to northern virginia with some friends and really just a really big weekend plan. but i said we can't go i don't know when they're going to arrive and what condition what's going to happen and i knew that things were getting better because johnny was talking to chris again like on the phone yeah chris was you know speaking with johnny and helping him but um Johnny came back here and met Chris face-to-face drove Johnny over to um, where Chris worked and Chris, you
0: know, he, he fixed them. <laughs> yeah. He, that, they he told the story um, back in him. Johnny's episode. And it was a really cool story to hear. Cause it's, you know, the stubbornness of the beginning of it. And then just Chris finally saying, you know, you can have all this. And, and Johnny's saying, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I want that. Right. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it was such a um, a great and kind of humbling story to hear as well when he told it, because it's like, he finally kind of, it, it finally, I think that sounded like when it clicked for him that, you know, maybe there was something to that.
1: Did remind me about, I thought she did not return with him or she didn't stay because it she, was not a good idea.
2: Yeah. So she was here and they were like, Staying in Johnny's room, kind of played house, but so I had to. At the time, Johnny didn't have a driver's license, we
1: thought. Oh, that's right. Now, yeah,
2: so I was driving Johnny to meetings where we were trying to find meetings, and then um, I was taking right. three nights a week to IOP, and in between, right. I was occupying them and their time because a like make desserts and we'd go out to the store and buy all the ingredients and then I had Johnny doing putting the pine straw in the back of our house and putting mulch down and you know they were kind of just playing this kind of life and we could not find AA meetings with young people like we didn't know where to go and I was driving Johnny to a meeting driving to her IOP and then I'd go back and get Johnny and then we'd go back and get her and then we'd come home and we would just do this day in and day out. And in the meantime, I'm planning Amanda's wedding and I'm trying to convince my family that this is all going to work and things are going to be fine. Hmm. So I was in this whirlwind of, but I felt good. I felt really positive. I really didn't get what was going on. And then Easter Sunday, um, you know, I'm going to church and I'm feeling so good. And I, Get a text from my husband and said, "Hey, when you get home, we need to drive Johnny to the airport." Well, I I don't know how my mom kept up with me because I just got up out of the pew and ran to my car and drove home and I'm like, "What do you mean? Where are you going?" He said, "I'm just going to take <laughs> um, to the airport. She needs to go because she wants to use again." That's and right. I was like, "What do you?" That's and right. I said, "Well, what are you going to do?" And he said, "I'm not going." He said, "I'm staying." I was like, "Did you call Chris?" He said, yeah, I already called Chris. and said, yesterday I called him because I knew all this was going down. And I kind of saw Johnny. Um, he didn't know I saw him. He was upstairs and he was crying. And at the time they were both smoking cigarettes. So they would go out back to the back and I kind of saw them talking a lot, but I was just giving them privacy. I didn't want to assume anything, but right. you know, that the 24 hours was weird. But, um, you know, it's, it's pretty sad because At that time, when she left, her sister overdosed for the first time on that Tuesday right Mm -hmm. after um, Easter. Yeah. And So her sister overdosed and lived, and she stayed home to finish the drugs because they were so good. Because she called Johnny, but then at that point, Johnny was really strong. He was like, you know, you can't be in my life, and uh, you can't call me. I'm not going to call you. You need to work on yourself and get sober. And right, and Patty, what the
1: things that you and I used to talk about would be s- signs that show strength of of you know. you Used to say, how would you know when he's really there? And I would say to you, making amends is a really strong moment. And that what you just said, what you know, what you said about Johnny and being able to have a phone call from him and say, no, you know, I'm not doing this. These are the things that we look for in our sober loved ones to measure how they're doing. And the more you see that, the more strength, the more we can trust again and, and know that, you know, and it it doesn't come very easily. It's a slow process, but that was a strong moment.
2: Definitely. And it's, I think I felt it and I knew that things were going to be different. And especially because Chris went right into the step work with Johnny. And for the first time, I could see the light coming back in his face. Hmm. Like I didn't know, I knew like some of the steps, but I didn't do the work to experience it. But I began to see a, a change in him. And he was able to like just let things go. And he was lighter. He was lighthearted. And he you could just see that transformation. And it was fantastic to witness something like that. And I hope I wish everybody could have that. Yeah, everybody that's suffering from addiction, they could just do like what Chris did with Johnny. And, you know, I know people have their journeys and Johnny had to go through what he went through. But he, Johnny came back a better person than he was before he became an addict. And I couldn't even think that could ever be possible.
1: Hmm. Same with Chris. And, yeah, same with Chris. It's 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 phenomenal to to see. It really is.
2: But now it's just amazing that a guy that he didn't want to hear his name... Talks to him every day, was seeing him almost every day, and then they're just part of each other's life. It's just
3: business partner blows my mind,
2: (laughs) and yeah, and you know what's really I think probably so important too with people that are the addict they get to do this step work and because like they're the sick ones so they're getting the help, but it's the people that love the addict that are left behind sometimes. And if you don't empower yourself, educate yourself, you know, do what it needs you need to do with your soul and your your well being, then you're gonna be left behind and you're gonna just be still in that dark place. You need to do something for yourself. I remember you told me that one time because I was like, I haven't had a shower in two days and you're like, that's the first thing you have to do is get a shower and, you know, get dressed and do something like yep. in the morning when you were first helping me because I couldn't even think of help. it wasn't even worth getting a shower I didn't have the energy or the desire so I feel bad for people that are left behind when the addict could move on and get better maybe the parent or the spouse or whatever um, could be left behind too if they don't work on themselves
0: right right and did you have a a specific moment? I think your mention of the transformation and really seeing that and being fascinated by that is so awesome. Uh, was there a moment past that where you truly felt content with the fact that he is you know now recovered um, and was was better? um I'm not sure
2: if this if this is the answer to that question, but when Johnny went to meet Chris for the first time, and they dove right into the steps, Johnny came into the house and said, Mom, can I talk to you for a minute? And this is five minutes that he's like, in the house um, from meeting with Chris. He said, um, I just want to let you know that I used at Christmas, and then when I came back here on that drive back that I used, and I knew that you told me that you, you know I couldn't stay in your house. If I was using and I just wanted to tell you that. Mm. And I just said, I really appreciate saying that. And thank you. And let's move forward from here on. And I just knew right then and there that things were just going to be okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That's really great. How simple, too. I just keep, you know, as I hear these stories and, um, you know, the moment that the, the, person that's, you know, struggling is able to kind of give into this. uh, It's fascinating what can happen. And I do want to just interest of time to wrap it up. What would you say just now in hindsight of everything you've been through, uh, all the stories, you are superwoman, that's for sure. Uh, What, uh, what are your biggest lessons? What would you want to pass along? And you've given some great lessons as we've talked throughout this time, but what would you want to pass along to someone right now that might be listening, who is a parent or is a loved one that isn't sure what to do um, and is, is listening to this podcast and hearing your story. Is there any, any just kind of parting words of advice?
2: Wow. There's a few things, but I would, I would say, like, I don't think I'm like a super person at all. I think I'm just a mom. I love my son and I knew that he was gone and I was, dealing with an addict and I was gonna battle and do what I could to get my son to be alive again. And um I think I say this a few times that this is like Johnny struggling through what he had to go through and that put me to go through the same thing. It's the best worst thing that ever happened to us because we came out better like they say God plans are better than our dreams. I couldn't have prayed harder to have something like this happen, but I didn't even pray for all this. It's above and beyond like what would I what I've been given on the other end of this. Um or I would say to people that are struggling, don't hide it, don't be ashamed, talk about it, go get help. You're gonna help yourself, you're gonna help your family you're, most of all you're gonna help your addicted loved one. And there's a difference between enabling an addict and helping them, you know, reassure them for, for me, Johnny didn't do such horrible things. I know a lot of families have gone through a lot of broken relationships and things like that. Try to get past certain things. Um, Addicts that are out there that are left alone because they've destroyed so much in their relationships with their families. Um, Give them another chance and let them back in. They're not the same person that they were before Um, and watched mom. It's a really good TV sitcom show about addicts, lighthearted and fun. The mom is in recovery. She's an addict and the daughter is an addict. And it's, it's, um, I I don't think I could appreciate it like I do now because when you're suffering, watching uh, your loved one, your addict, Lose their what you know, their person and who they are, and they become this addict. It's not funny or fun, there's nothing fun about it in the moment. But on the other end, and Liz and Kathy both said this, you will laugh about some of this stuff, and I'm able to. And it's four and a half years now, but I would say for the past uh, two years, I can laugh about a lot of stuff. But mom is an episode with Allison, Jenny, and Anna Ferris. it's just really funny, really true um experiences of an addict and the people that love an addict. On the light hearted side, they have some stuff in there. There's stuff where some one addict just doesn't make it with their struggle, with their battle of addiction, but it's really good.
0: I'll we'll have to check it out. That sounds great. Yeah. Good. Well, Listen, thank you so much for joining. I know that um, we've wanted to have you on for a while and hearing Johnny's story and honestly not knowing your story too well and hearing it today, I, I, it was really awesome to hear. And I think your advice for not only loved ones, but for those struggling was is extremely helpful. And I know that people listening, and we've said this before, are pretty much mainly behind closed doors, have been reaching out. And we've, we've really heard from a lot of people that are, that are finding a lot of value out of this. And so just your courage and willingness to, to join us is is hugely appreciated. And i um, really thankful to have you around and, and the fact that we're all connected and um, really admire what you've done um, to learn about yourself and to help Johnny get back to being the Johnny that, that we all love. So thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you. You're a
1: rock star, Patty. You're a rock star.